0: Well, thank you, worship team. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name's Brad. I'm lead pastor and one of the teaching pastors here at Crossbridge. Man, it is good to see everybody, and it is good to be inside. Uh, if you didn't, weren't aware. We've been outside for the last four weeks. Well, last week we are actually inside because of rain. But uh, doing our, basically our family-type services. And um, man, we, we just have a blast doing those and, and, and watching it. To me, watching the kids worship is just worth everything, and it's just amazing, and and we've had a great time doing that. While we do that, it's the closest thing we ever ever get to a a vacation Bible school around here, Um, but what happens is we get to have the worship team get a little bit of time off, some of our Bridgeville uh, volunteers get uh, some time off, and and it's it's just been kind of fun for the last four weeks. And we understand that that's not a service for everybody, and here's what I love. Is the heart of the rest of uh, that says, "Hey, this isn't really for me, but but I understand why we're doing it, and I encourage it, and I love it, and so thank you just for for the last four weeks. It's been really cool. So this week we start off a brand new series uh, in the book of Jonah. We're actually going to take a chapter of Jonah, about about a chapter every week, and walk through Jonah and just kind of kind of talk about." that story and how it relates to us. And here's the a, here's a cool thing about Jonah is whether you grew up in church or not, my guess is that you probably know the story or, or fairly well know the story. And uh, it's just kind of a, one of those common things that a lot of people have talked about. And if you grew up in Sunday school like I did, you know, you, you heard the story a lot. And so you know it fairly well. But I think we can really dig in and get some, some stuff from us. And what we like to do here at Crossbridge is we love to leverage technology uh, we love to leverage technology just for the gospel and, and, and to tell people about Jesus. That's why we do the videos we do. It's why we are all over social media. Technology is amazing. We've got all this digital stuff, you know, that, that we, we, we love to, to use. And, and I am going to go kind of old school a little bit today. I'm going to show you the technology that I grew up with, okay? So here, here's what it starts with. Does anybody have any idea what this is? Piper actually made this for me, okay? And I actually went to um, some of the, let's just say, younger staff this week. Does anybody? Flanograph, yeah, that's 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 real time technology right there. You know what I'm saying? And and uh, who has? I actually talked to the younger staff, and, and some of them had no idea what a flanograph was. Anybody? Flanograph. Who grew up with a flanograph? You're my people, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Felt <a> what? <laughs> Same thing, you know. <laughs> so what I want to do today is start with the story of of. I'm going to say Noah sometime today, okay, just so you know that. I'm going to start with the story of Jonah, and I I just want to kind of give you, so Jonah is a prophet. Is that amazing or what? (laughs) come on. (laughs) And and God asked Jonah to go to the great city of Nineveh, huh? Big city. We're going to talk about Nineveh here in a little bit. And there's the people of Nineveh, okay, here they are. Some of you younger people are saying, how does that happen? It's magic. <laughs> I'm thinking about AGT next week or next year. Okay, anyway. So, and I want you to know that the, the people of Nineveh did not look this happy, okay? So that's not the way they really looked. And, and so God told Jonah to go to the city, great city of Nineveh, and tell them that they need to repent. They're doing a lot of things wrong, and, and they need to, you know, turn to God. And Jonah has no interest whatsoever. So what's he do? Anybody? He gets on a boat, okay? And he goes to Tarshish, which is the farthest way away. We're gonna talk about that also. And a big storm comes, because he's not, can you see, you know, I don't want to, I don't want you guys to miss out on this. I know this is exciting. (laughs) Okay, you good now? All right. So he gets on this boat, and there's a big storm comes, and and everything's going, uh, no one knows what to do, and Jonah finally says, hey, if you just throw me overboard, it's gonna be all okay, all right? And so Jonah gets thrown overboard. And what happens next? Anyone? Swallowed. Did you say swallowed by a fish? You're supposed to say whale, okay? Because I was gonna tell you that's why we have trust issues, you know? Because the Bible says he was swallowed by a big fish, okay? And he gets swallowed by a big fish and there's a bunch of happy little fishes because I wanna use all my felt there, around there. That's the story of Jonah. And hey, thanks for coming. We'll see you next week Well, we'll just, I finished the whole series right there, you know? I, don't, I just wanted to do this. I just thought it would be fun. I, you know, it, felt boards, high, high, high technology. I'm going to move it back here, and we're going to actually talk about, about the story. So here we go. You know, um, you may be sitting here thinking, you know, I know this story. We're going to talk about it for four weeks. But here's my challenge for us for the next four weeks is that we look at this story because we know it so well, and we, and we ask ourselves so many times, well, why in the world would Jonah do some of the things that he did? Why in the world would Jonah do exactly the opposite of what, what God is calling him to do? And, and we wonder sometimes, and I, I think we just have to ask ourselves, how many times am I like Jonah? And I hope over the next four weeks we can actually look inside of ourselves and say, you know what? There is a little Jonah in me. There's a little Jonah in each one of us. So Jonah was a prophet. And the prophets, uh, what they would actually do is they would get the word from God. God would talk to the prophets, and they were supposed to disseminate that information to all of Israel. And there was all kinds of different prophets. Some of those prophets would, would uh, have visions of God, what heaven was going to be like. Some of those prophets would ask uh, certain peoples or the Israelite nation that they needed to repent, that they were going down the wrong, wrong way. They would give all kinds of, of different information. They'd talk about the future, what, what things were going to happen in prophecies and prophecies and, and things like that. And they were all kinds of, God used all kinds of different people. He'd ask them to do all kinds of different things. Like some of those prophets, he would ask them to shave their head and not have any any beards or anything. Other ones, he would ask not to cut their hair at all. They would dress weird. They would eat weird. There was all kinds of things that they would do. Some, he actually asked never to marry, that they shouldn't marry. And others, he actually asked to marry prostitutes. And it was all this symbolic stuff that God was doing through the prophets to try to teach Israel who he was and what he was like and what they should be doing. And there was this Jonah who he actually called. He said, I want you to go to the city of Nineveh and I want you to tell them to repent. And Jonah decided, I am not paying any attention to you, God, whatsoever, and I'm going the opposite way. So we're going to pick up the story in Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. We're going to read the whole chapter. So let's just dive in. Says the Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh, announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went to the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. <laughs> and anybody who would have been reading this in the first centuries, they would have said, Jonah, what are you thinking? You can't get away from the Lord. David himself says that, where can I go to get out of your presence? I can go to the highest mountains. I can go to the deepest valleys, and you are still there. I can't get away from your presence. You're always there, God. And here is Jonah saying, I'm going to do whatever I can to get away from what God is calling me to do. And if you know anything about the city of Nineveh, it's kind of understandable. Because Nineveh was a a dreadful city. It was one of the biggest cities around, if not the biggest city. It would be like God asking us to go to New York or go to Chicago and and proclaim, you know, you guys are all going the wrong way. And and so there's this fear, there's some intimidation here. But not only that, they were a brutal, cruel society there. They would go on these conquests and they would go take over cities. Some cities actually when they knew that they were coming, that the Ninevites were coming for them, they would commit mass suicide because it was better for that than what they were going to get done to them. They would go in and rape and pillage and just destroy and burn. They would kill infants. They would kill anybody who was in their way. They, they would just destroy everything in their sight. So honestly, it's no wonder that Jonah really didn't want to go do this. There had to be some, some of, of fear. There has, he has to be scared. He's flat out afraid of, of what he's about to do. But there's a spoiler alert also here, that we'll talk here in a few weeks, is that Jonah also didn't want to go because he was afraid that God would forgive them. He was afraid that I'd go proclaim judgment on them, that you're going down the wrong way, but God would actually give them a second chance and he would have mercy on them, and he wanted nothing to do with that. We'll talk about that coming up. So the story goes on. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. And if you, if, if you would understand the geography of that region, Nineveh is over here and Tarshish is on the opposite. And it's as far away as you can possibly get from where, where God is calling him to go. He does not want to go anywhere near this. story goes on. He bought a ticket, and he went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the, des- the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in a hold. And I think this is a wake-up call for us as a church. I think it's a wake-up call for the church, the big C church, all of us together. This movement that we've been talking about through the book of Acts that God has put together to reach the world. That we are supposed to be, be Jesus to, to people around us. And everything is falling apart. Everything is going, going south around the city of Nineveh and every, and every place that they are. And here is Jonah asleep while people are struggling. And I think that's something that we've got to start to get a hold of. That are we a church that's asleep? Are we a church that, that is, is just waiting and, and looking at everything that's going on and, and we don't know how to, how to handle this culture or the society that we're living in? And we, we know that we're called to do something, but we don't know what to do. So unfortunately, sometimes what we do is we just get on social media and we start complaining and ranting and raving instead of coming alongside we see everything that's happening unfolding on us and we are at the church are asleep because we don't want to get involved sometimes we don't know where to go the the sailors are up here doing everything they can they are throwing things overboard and we watch people around us as they're suffering as they're struggling and are we as a church asleep I wonder sometimes if this is exactly how we are acting. There's honestly a prayer meeting going on by these sailors to their gods, not the one true God. They're they're doing everything they can because they know that they need some kind of intervention. And Jonah's asleep because he's got the one true God that can actually do something about this. He's totally unaware of the conditions around him. And I wonder if we are sometimes asleep in the hold unaware of the people we have a sphere of influence on. The children in our neighborhoods, the people at our workplaces, our own family who are struggling and wondering what in the world to do. And they're praying to the wrong gods, and we have the answers. The Story goes on in verse 6, so the captain went down after him, how can you sleep at a time like this? He shouted, get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives." And this verse, this, <laughs> this last couple of weeks have just wrecked me, honestly. I'm going to read this again. So, the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this? He shouted, get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. This is a pagan individual. And when I say pagan, it's just basically non-religious, okay? It's not following our God. And he's going down to the one person who is following, and he gets, and Jonah gets rebuked by someone who is non-religious. And I want us all just to take a deep breath real quick, because what I'm going to say may make some of you upset and angry. And I believe that we, I believe us as a church, I believe we the church, the big C church, is being rebuked by a pagan world right now. There are people looking at us and they're saying, you're not living the way Jesus has called you to live. And in some cases, they are right. Not every case, I'll grant you that. But they know enough about this Jesus, they're saying, you know what, you don't really look like this Jesus that I know. The way we love people, the way we interact with people, the way we come alongside people, they basically call us hypocrites. And in many cases, we are. I'm not saying every case. But I'm saying that we have got to take inventory and we've got to look at ourselves how we are as individuals and as a church how we are interacting with these people. Those people, if you will. Are we coming alongside? Are we meeting needs? Are we having mercy? Are we reconciling? Are we coming, doing everything we can to show them the love of Jesus? That's what we are called to do as followers of Christ. Story goes on, verse seven. Then the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused the terrible storm. When they did this, the, the lost defined, identified Jonah as the culprit. Why has this awful storm come down on us, they demanded. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? They want to figure out what's the core of who Jonah is. And Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew. And I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it? They groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to you to stop this storm? Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault and we see this picture of jonah here and and i had to question this week why is jonah actually saying this is he actually repentant or would he rather die than do what god is calling him to do does he realize that i have caused this and 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 i want to change or is it just that you know what i want to die and i think sometimes we are the same way i'd rather die than forgive that person. I'd rather die than to give up on this. I'd rather do it my way than anything. I'd rather die than give up my secret sin. And I just have to wonder about Jonah's state of mind here, and how often we are the same way. Uh, One of the pastors that that we follow around here actually um, talked about this Poem. It's actually a Dr. Seuss poem. Well, it's not really a Dr. Seuss poem. It's the Jonah story in Dr. Seuss form. And I love this, and I want to read this to you here because I love Dr. Seuss. Here it goes. It says, Could you, would you go to preach? Could you, would you go to reach the people of Assyria? For you fit my criteria. I would not go there in a boat. I would not go there in a float. I would not go there in a gale. I would not go there in a whale. I do not like the people there, if they all died, I would not care. I will not go to the great town, I'd rather choke, I'd rather drown. I will not go there by land or sea, so stop this talk and let me be." And I think that's Jonah's posture at this point. And I want to make sure that we never ever have that posture that we are willing to go wherever God is asking us to go to share the love of Jesus to ever, whoever he asks us to go, whether we like them or not. That's the call of us as a church. So Jonah says, hey, just throw me over and this whole thing's gonna be over, it's gonna be great. And the, and the sailors say, well, let's counteroffer, let's do this instead. Verse 13, instead the sailors wrote even harder to get to the, sh- the ship to land. But the stormy sea was too violent for them, and they couldn't make it. And all of a sudden, another prayer service breaks out. Verse 14, then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. Oh, Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin. And don't hold us responsible for his death. Oh, Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. Can you imagine these sailors on this ship? What would have happened as, as, as Jonah says, just do this, and they said, no, we're not going to do that, and then they pray to, to God, and they throw Jonah off, and all of a sudden, it's calm. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him, which I think is fascinating, because Jonah is on the run, he did everything wrong, he's not doing what God is calling him to, but God redeems the situation. God takes Jonah's mistakes, and he redeems them, and these sailors follow the one true God. Just earlier in the story, they're praying to all these pagan gods, all these other idols, and and honestly, in Jonah's disobedience, they see something, and God uses it, it's an amazing, and God does the same thing for us. In spite of our failures, God can still use us. Verse 17. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. So what does this story mean for us? As we wrestle with how we are like Jonah, I want to give us just kind of three Three ways that I I believe that we've got to be careful. We've got to have our radar up. We've got to understand and see that these are some ways that we are, are like Jonah himself. And the first one is this, that we all have a tendency to run from God. There is always in our lives a ship going in the other direction of what God is calling for us. Especially with everything that we have today, with all the technology, everything that we have, there is always something that can pull us in a direction going away from what God is calling us to do. It is so easy for us to get sidetracked. It's so easy for us to go the opposite way. Living life in a, in a way that, that isn't impacting and make a difference in others. And we do this in, a, in almost an external way, that, in, in a physical way, that, that we start slipping away and, and, and maybe we start you know attending less. We stop, we, we stop reading the scripture as much as we, we need to. We stop praying and, and we start just slowly fading away. And we start taking these other detours and that, that's pulling us away from what God is speaking to us and how he is speaking to us. And another way is just this internal thing for us that, that, that we, we start getting spiritually diff- distanced. We start feeling it a little different way. And we start not sensing the presence of God because we're distracted otherwise. And we can sit here in a, in a church service Going through the motions, not letting God penetrate our hearts, not letting the Holy Spirit speak to us and move us in a direction that he wants us to go. We can actually be here, but our hearts not be engaged. And it's up to us to start realizing this is what is happening and start putting into practices some of the things that get us back into the presence of God and knowing and hearing and obeying what he's asking us and calling us to do. And we've got to ask ourselves, what are we running from? For us as a church, for us as individuals, it's just being Jesus to others. It's understanding that it's not about us, it's about others. It's about reconciling relationships. It's about pursuing mercy and justice around us. We have the answers that the world and the culture and society is looking for this Jesus that lives inside of us. And I think so often we are aligning ourselves with institutions, we're aligning ourselves with ideologies, we're aligning ourselves with organizations and political parties instead of aligning ourselves with this one Jesus who calls us to make a difference in our sphere of influence. That's what following Jesus is all about. We are called to be the salt and the light of the world. We are called to be the ones that stand out from everybody else and say, you know what, I don't know about, I don't even know if I believe all that Jesus stuff. But the way they treat each other, the way they love each other, the way they love us, the way they take care of people, there's got to be something to that. If we would start doing that, man, it would make all the difference in the world. Us bringing the kingdom of heaven down to earth. We've prayed that how many t- times through the- The the Lord's Prayer. We are supposed to usher in the kingdom here on earth by our lifestyles, by the way that we act. It influences everything, every part of us. It's the center of who we are in our family, in our relationships, bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. Our last elder meeting, we actually got together as a staff and elders, and we asked this question. If, If Crossbridge disappeared tomorrow, if Crossbridge disappeared tomorrow, would the community even know it? Would we be missed? Are we making an impact? Are we making a difference in our communities? If you went out of your workplace, would, would, would the impact lessen? Are you making a difference? Are you treating people the way that you need to be treating in our own families? If we disappear tomorrow, would anybody even notice? And it's one of the reasons why we keep pushing and we keep looking at, at, at things that we can do. It's why we did Be Rich last year. And you generously gave over $43,000 to an organization here in town, Shepherd's House. We blessed them with it. We didn't keep a dime. of it; We just gave it away. We're going to do it again coming up this fall. We have sign-up sheets out in the lobby that we're going to go into two Fort Wayne community schools where we have, have some of our teachers and principals, and we're going to go in, and we're going to do some things for the school. We're going to try to make an impact, and we want to do more and more of this kind of thing. Are we being Jesus to the community? Are we being Jesus to the world? We wanna make sure that we're challenging ourselves to continue to make a difference everywhere we go. The second thing is our running from God's purpose in our lives, our running from our calling, our running impacts others more than we can possibly realize. When we don't do, when we don't use our gifts, when we don't use our talents that God has given us, how he's wired us, our spiritual gifts that he's given us, when we don't use those, it does affect others around us. In Jonah's case, it was all these people on this boat that are about to drown because of his disobedience. And if we don't, if we don't use our own gifts and talents, there's other people that are affected by it. And, and so often, I, one of the things that, I hear is is about our own freedoms. Well, I'm free to do this, and I'm free to do that. And yes, I understand that. We are. But we can't be selfish either with our times, our talents, our generosity. I want to read you a, a piece of scripture from Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 18. I'm going to read it in the message version because I love what it says here. It says, it is absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. Just make sure you don't use your freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows. For everything we know about God's word is summed up in a single sentence. Love others as you love yourself. That's an act of true freedom. If you bite, and ravage each other, watch out. In no time at all, you will be annihilating each other. And where will your precious freedom be then? My counsel is this, live freely, animated and motivated, motivated by God's spirit. Then you won't feed the compulsions of selfishness. For there's a root of sinful interest in us that is at odds with a free spirit. Just as the free spirit is incompatible with selfishness, our decisions of how we live have implications of those around us, in our families, in our workplaces, in our communities. And I know for me, selfishness is a struggle. I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it and claim freedom and all of that. That as a Jesus follower, there is no room for that kind of attitude. We are to serve others before ourselves. We are to lay down our cross for the sake of others, just as Jesus has done it. It's not an option. The third thing is God shows up even when we fail. And this ought to be good news. It's good news for me because I have failed so many times. When Jonah runs and he wants nothing to do with God's plan, yet God shows up and amazing things happen, a whole ship is saved. And so often we think, well, you know what, God can't use me because of, of my past. God can't use me because of, of, of the things that, that I have done. And I just want to remind you of, of all the past failures of, of the people that God have used. And we talked about Paul over the last I don't know how many weeks who started out being actually persecuting. He wanted to stop this whole movement of Jesus followers, actually set by. and and. And 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 watch people get killed and stoned. And he approved of it. Put people's and families in, in jail. And yet God uses him in an amazing way. We got King David who has an affair and then covers it up with the murder, but yet God used him. He was actually a God after a man after God's own heart. Elijah, all kinds of mental issues as 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 he does amazing things from God. These are all excuses that we can all use. I love this one. In Acts John, in Acts 13, John Mark is actually with Paul and Barnabas. And it says that there's some kind of dis- and, dispute and, and, and John Mark just, just decides, you know what, I'm done. I quit. I've been there. I'm not gonna follow this God anymore. And he leaves. Then in Acts 15, Paul, Paul and Barnabas actually split up because of the, the disagreement that we have here. And then fast forward in Colossians, Paul actually talks about John Mark and how he's come back and he's re-engaged and is a great benefit to the gospel. We've got Peter who denies Jesus three times, Samson, Rahab, Solomon, all kinds of people, the whole list, anybody that God has used, they have faults, they have fallen down, they, they've broken promises, they've done all kinds of things that should disqualify that we would think maybe would disqualify. We are not disqualified. God used all of them, and he will use you. He wants to use your past. He wants to use your brokenness. He wants to use everything that you've experienced in life so you can go out and make a difference in others' lives. Even when we run, God can still redeem everything and wants to. And I want you to understand, when you get serious, when, when you become a Jesus follower, I promise you that God's gonna ask you to do some things that you don't wanna do. He's gonna ask you to forgive people that you don't wanna forgive. He's gonna ask you to come alongside people that you don't want to come alongside. He's going to ask you to love people that you don't want to love or are hard to love. He's going to ask you to be generous with your time, with your finances. He's going to ask you to sacrifice because that's what what Jesus did. He left the most glorious place that you can possibly imagine to come down to rescue each and every one of us because it wasn't about him. It was about us and many of you are sitting here today and you may already know what God is asking you, where he's calling you to, who he's calling you to, what group of people he is calling you to and you don't know if you really want to go and you're ready to run or you are running and I think he's calling you back in. He's whispering in your ear, say, come back. Let's do this thing together. It's going to be amazing. Just come back. Die to yourself. And you know what it is. And so today, I want to just leave us with a couple of next steps. And and your next steps for this next week is just to answer a couple of questions. And I really want you to ponder these questions. I want you to wrestle with these questions. I want you to pray over these questions. Because even if you're not running with something right now, with, about something right now, there's going to come a time when God's calling you and you don't know what to do, and it'd be so much easier to to, to not do what God's calling us to do. We're kind of this comfortable, you know, i just just going to break my routine. So the very first question is this one. What do you typically run from? Do you run from confrontation? Do you run from giving up time and messing up your schedule? Do you... Do you run run from messy people? What do you typically run from? And asking yourself, when I look back at my walk with Jesus, what is it when when times have got tough, where is it that I normally run? And when you start understanding those circumstances, you start realizing, okay, this is is an area that God's asking me to, and typically I may run. Wrestle with that one to the ground. And then the last one is this one. Where do you run to? When asked to do something, where do you run to? Normally it's something we find comfort in that we can kind of escape from. Do you run to alcohol? Do you run from drugs? Do you run to, to pornography? What, where is it that you run to some kind of addiction that, that, that releases you from that? Do you, do you run to Netflix and binge watch something all the time? just trying to escape from, from where you need to go. You run to your phone, you run to eating. I'm a comfort eater, man. And when you start rec- recognizing these areas, and when you start recognizing these things, wh- what do I run from and where do I run to? You start realizing, you know what, maybe I am doing this. Maybe there's a little bit of Jonah in me. That God is asking me to do something and honestly I just really don't want to do that. And when we collectively do that as individuals and as a church and we, we start engaging and understanding and wrestling with this stuff, man, we start making a difference in people's lives. We start making a difference in our community's lives. We start making a difference in our friends' lives, in our, in our classmates' lives. And it changes everything. And I'm telling you, it's worth it. And, I, and if we would disappear tomorrow The community would say, oh, man, where did those guys go? That's the kind of people, that's the kind of church that we need to be. Would you pray with me? Father, it's so easy to sit here and talk about this. And we look at Jonah and think about why in the world would he run? Where can we run to get away from you? And, Father, I know so many times in my own life I have run the opposite direction you called me to go. And I just pray that you'd help us to recognize the typical things that we run from and the typical things that we run to. And God, I just pray that you would move in our hearts as individuals and as a church, that we become passionate about reaching people who are far from you, no matter their circumstances. Would you help us to love them? with an unbelievable love just like you have loved us when we didn't deserve it. And so, God, I just, I just pray that we will make an impact, that we will make a difference, and that you will be glorified in all of this. It's in the amazing name of Jesus we pray.